The Thought Leader video series is brought to you by LaForge. Learn more at laforgegroup.com. Hi, everybody. It's Ben Thorpe, Associate Research Editor with Farm Equipment Magazine, here today with Edge, President and CEO of Berkey's Farm Store. Uh, Mike, can you give us a quick intro on who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I've been at Berkey's here for um, almost 30 years now. Um, my background is uh, I'm, I'm educated as a, an accountant, kind of an accounting degree and a CPA. I spent about the first uh, 22 years at Berkey's uh, in the chief financial officer role. And uh, then over the last uh, eight or nine years have now been the CEO here at Berkey's. We have uh, 17 locations, uh, all but one in Illinois. Uh, all, uh, one store is in Indiana, the rest in Illinois. Uh, primarily uh, ag, but we do have some construction equipment as well. And uh, we're here today to talk about, you guys recently announced uh, that you are an ESOP now. And just as a quick starter, if you could give a quick explanation for people who don't know uh, what exactly an ESOP is and, and what it does. Yeah, an ESOP is uh, an employee stock ownership plan. Um, it's a vehicle by which uh, the employees of the company uh, eventually own uh, the stock of a company. An ESOP can be a 100% ESOP or it can be a partial ESOP. In our case, we went the route of 100% ESOP. So as of the first of this year, we are 100% employee owned. Okay. Now, when did the idea to transition to an ESOP first kind of start floating around Berkey's? Was, was there like a, a moment that had people start to think about it? Well, we've been a uh, company that's always had transi transition of ownership uh, over the years. We've never had a majority owner in, in Berkey's. Uh, in fact, I think when I joined, I believe we had 13 owners. Uh, over time, we've uh, bought owners out and uh, the business has grown and uh, we found ourselves in a position with about five owners. And the succession... Um, issue is one that's huge in the life of uh, many farm equipment dealers and uh, uh, some choose to pass it on to their children some may sell to a private equity firm some of the bigger groups may go public uh, some firms look to find an investor to be able to uh, deal with uh, an exiting shareholder or a retiring shareholder um, and, you know, we've gone down and looked at a lot of alternatives. Uh, probably the biggest thing on my plate in the last seven or eight years is how are we going to fund that uh, exit strategy uh, over the years as, as I want to retire. My brother is uh, one of our owners as well. Um, and, you know, we're getting to an age uh, that, you know, we're looking for an exit strategy uh, uh, eventually to retire. And uh, the business has gotten so big that the barriers to entry are just very, very challenging. Uh, what we found that the, made the ESOP appealing was that uh, uh, we have an, uh, an ability to, to create an exit strategy without upsetting the culture, without really changing the management team. Uh, we would have minor changes to uh, the board of directors. And uh, it, it kind of lets us as owners bet, if you will, on our people and the way that they will respond in the future um, to, I guess, secure our eventual exit. It's a, uh, you know, in our case, uh, you can fund an ESOP or a leveraged ESOP uh, either with uh, exiting shareholders uh, holding the notes 
or you can go to the outside world and use a bank or, or some kind of a finance company, but that tends to become uh, more expensive. So, you know, we chose the route of uh, uh, taking notes back over a period of time. These are traditionally maybe eight or 10 years. You have kind of a long runway of, of being paid back uh, as you exit your, your ownership interest. And that allows the ESOP time to, um, to grow and to, to, to create the, the revenue and cash flow streams to, to pay you out. The one benefit of an ESOP that we found besides the, the culture and the engagement of employees and those kind of things, very appealing as an ESOP is a retirement plan. So the ESOP that owns 100% of the, of the company at this point in time, the ESOP trust is a retirement plan. So they are not subject to uh, income taxes. And so when you consider the amount of money in our particular case, the sub S corporation that goes out both to cover the shareholder taxes and to make some kind of a distribution on profits, you get a significant amount of the cash flow that the business generates exiting uh, every year to do that. So by not having to pay federal income taxes, you create the cash flow uh, to fund the retirement or the buyout of the owners, you create the cash flow to then give stock to the employees, and you also create cash flow to continue growing the business. Talking about the transition into an ESOP, what was that process like? Were there a lot of complicated hurdles you guys had to jump through, and, and what were some of the, the big pain points you hit, or was it all super easy? Well, the marketplace has been our friend, uh, and our timing has been really good this last year. The, the way that the, the market has gone up um, has been very helpful in, in that, you know, the profits have been good. Uh, sales have been very robust. Uh, first thing you've got to do is kind of understand what your business is worth. Uh, you know, we undertook that about a little over a year ago. We engaged an external accounting firm uh, to do a, a business valuation. We've always had our internal valuations. Um, but but it's been a number of years since we actually had an independent firm look at uh, our business valuations. And uh, when we did this, we were, you know, at the beginning, I guess, of the upswing that we've seen in the last two years. Uh, our owner group was pleasantly uh, surprised that, that it was pretty good. And so we made the decision to take it to the next step, uh, probably in the first quarter of last year and do what's called an ESOP feasibility study. And in the ESOP feasibility study, they would take that value in one step further and say, what does this look like to a potential ESOP trustee uh, that, that would look at acquiring the stock? How would they look at uh, such a transaction? Are they confident in your ability to, to run the business and the management team that's gonna be there afterwards? Um, how do they feel about your forecast? You know, what does the future look like? And, uh, and then, you know, from an owner perspective, uh, they, they gave us a, a potential scenario that we might expect on, on the, 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 the tax efficiency and how the cash flows might uh, be handled from both the initial cash down payment that the shareholders would receive the kind of notes and interest rates and things that might be a part of the package um, and, and, and what that would look like for each of our owners over a period of time. All right, great. And <clears throat> one thing that I, that I asked um, 
Sean Skaggs at Livingston Machinery, when they uh, entered and exited their ESOP, um, was employee reaction. So, so when the news, you, you let your employees know that this is the direction you're going, or is it mostly positive reactions for people not quite sure what it was? Was there an education process that went on? I think there's going to be a huge uh, education process. The reaction was overwhelmingly positive, but certainly there were questions and things that uh, obviously the employees didn't understand. I, I think the challenge on us as a, as a leadership team in the future is we, we've got to continue to communicate this. It's not kind of a one and done type of situation. I think over time we've got to, um, on, on a very regular basis, com- continue to uh educate employees, let them know what the ESOP is all about. And and certainly as we bring new people into the business, uh, you know, we've got to start fresh with them and, and explain what, what the ESOP is all about and what it means to them and, and to their retirement. But overwhelmingly very positive. Um, we, we had some initial uh, conversations about what we had done right after we closed the deal. And uh, and then in the last, uh, about two, two weeks ago, we had a uh, video calls with all of our stores with the accounting firm and the law firm and the, the trustee that, that represented us and, and answered a lot of specifics about how it would work and what it would mean for the employees. So overall, I think it's very good. I think they understand most of them that, that we've done a very good thing for them. I just don't think at this point they have a sense of the magnitude of what the ESOP may mean. Sure. Right. Okay. And one thing I noticed, excuse me, in the press release was, um, I think you had said that the ESOP is going to help Berkey's um, with recruiting and retaining employees. And you said something to the effect that the ESOPs are more profitable and they have less turnover. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the connection between the ESOP and maybe uh, preserving that employee culture and keeping people, like you said? Well, obviously, you know, when we go to recruit, uh, being able not only to have a full package of benefits and a 401k plan and health insurance and those things, having the added benefit that all you have to do is come and work here and, and, and meet the requirements for the hours and the age, and you're going to be given stock in the company every year, it's a huge benefit, and we think that gives us a leg up on, on many other companies that may be trying to recruit employees. I think once you get employees into um, receiving the, the shares and, and they have a balance, begin to understand how that grows, I, I think from a retention standpoint, it becomes a huge motivator for somebody to, to stay and, and not just you know look at, at little things to, to maybe jump ship. So... We, we already have good retention of our people. We think this should enhance it. Great. We already talked about um, the, the federal income tax benefit that comes along with the ESOP. But um, again, when I interviewed Sean Skaggs at Livingston, when they transitioned away from their ESOP into a private equity investment, something that he had talked about was their ESOP had ran for 11 years. And the initial part of the initial uh, thinking was, retirement. You know, I, I think at the point, that point, the previous owner was retiring. He wanted good retirement for the employees when he left. And he said that around the time of the downturn, 2015, 2016, when there were some layoffs that created what he called a, a repurchased bubble for the, the shares that are repurchased at retirement. 
has, is that something that Berkey's has thought about? Are there kind of issues like that down the road that you're planning for? Well, every ESOP is going to have repurchase obligations. You know, some of them happen if, if employees uh, leave and some of the small balances get cashed out. Some of the larger balances, folks have to wait until they get to retirement age. A lot depends on how the, the ESOP uh, document is, is structured. In our particular case, uh, there's not a lot of early payouts when people leave until they get to retirement. It, it's, it's pretty focused on them reaching a, an age of 62 to get payouts. And so the one, one positive thing is that the people that designed our ESOP were very conservative in the way that they put it together. Um, you know, an ESOP, if they're too aggressive at distributing shares early, in the life of the ESOP, uh, then the repurchase obligations probably come cl uh, much quicker. If the vesting schedule isn't long enough, repurchase options, um, you know, obligations could come quicker. Uh, in our particular case, the shares are, are allocated over 40 years, which sounds like a huge time horizon, but, but that will allow the, the ESOP to be more conservative. It also leaves shares available um, for new hires uh, pretty much indefinitely. Uh, you can get yourself in trouble by thinking of all the people that are here now distributing the shares to the people that work for you now and five years from now, you don't have a meaningful amount of stock to give them. And so you lose some of your momentum, but you've also got to educate folks. You, you've got to educate them, especially in our business. I mean, there's gonna be ups and downs. We're gonna see the, the stock value move as the industry moves to some degree. And so I think it behooves us to be very open uh, in our communication with them about what's going on with the business and, and the fact that it will move up and down and there are cycles. Uh, no different than our, our investment advisor for our 401k uh, communicates with our folks that you're in this for the long, long haul. Uh, you don't need the money until you're 62 or until you're ready to retire. So, you know, it's, it's fine that there are going to be these ups and downs that going to have to ride the cycle. So uh, that, that really puts a, a, a burden on us to make sure we do a good job of communicating this. But, but I think, I think we've got a group of employees that will understand and appreciate that. Great. And as long as we're still on the, the financial side of things, we've talked about repurchase liability, the income tax benefits. Is there anything else about um, an ESOP? Because I'm certainly not an expert on how these things work. I just want to make sure, is there any other financial incentive that Berkey's gets from transitioning to this ESOP that we haven't covered? Um. By not paying the taxes, you not only have the cash flow to, to fund, uh, you know, the, the, the owner notes and to give stock to the employees, but I really do believe it's going to generate surplus cash flow in the business that then we can use to go and do acquisitions. Uh, over the years, we've done a number of acquisitions, but as some of us have gotten older, uh, there, there's a little bit of that indecision, I guess, at times on, you know, do you, do you go and invest more and grow the business or do you, do you keep some of that reserve put back so that you can repurchase stock, uh, maybe of a, a retiring shareholder at some point? Um, this kind of takes that off the table. We're going to generate cash flow and I think it's really going to open up uh, our, our business to, to grow uh, once, once we kind of get up and moving with this. Sure. No, that makes sense. Okay. 
you guys have gone through all this, you're an ESOP now. What would you say to dealers who are maybe considering making this move? What, what advice would you give them on how to do it, who should do it, and who should not do it? Uh, the biggest piece of advice I can get is make sure you thoroughly vet the accounting firm and, and the legal people that are doing this. Make sure they have a lot of experience. I would be looking for somebody that is going to be conservative in their approach um, with it. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing them. But, uh, you know, from our aspect, we feel like uh, we hit a home run with the, both the accounting firm that we used and the law firm that we used. And, uh, you know, they did a great job for us. They didn't create expectations that were unreasonable. Uh, they, they probably undersold us on, on where we would be and they over delivered. Uh, and because they're tied in with the ESOP associations, both the law firm and the accounting firm, they had good relationships with the tr potential trustees that we interviewed, the law firms that work the other side of the transaction, because it's a negotiation and you're, you're negotiating against a trustee and their counsel and their evaluation people. And it just helped that all these people uh, have done deals together and, you know, they've been on both sides of the transactions. And so I would certainly um, recommend that somebody get somebody that is highly engaged in the, in the business uh, and well-connected there. All right. I talk to dealers all the time. And even since we've done this, I probably talked to half a dozen dealers and, and the capital transition in our business is one of the hardest things we ever face. And, uh, it, 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 it doesn't go away. You know, there, there comes a time to address it. And, and in our particular case, myself and my CFO went to an ESOP conference probably four or five years ago when it was just one of a half a dozen different options that we were looking at. But it, you know, it, it put us in the mix with people that were, uh, I guess, in that space it made introductions to accounting firms and other other folks that we've kind of kept in, in touch with. And, you know, at the point where our group was really ready to make a move, felt like we already had a basic introduction. We knew some of the players um, and it sure made it a lot smoother for us to jump in because if we hadn't have done that, we had been starting completely from scratch. So, you know, do it well in advance. Don't wait. You know, my advice would be don't wait until it's it's the time that you have to do something. Uh, get out ahead of it. Um, it. It allows you to keep the management structure intact. You know, our board is staying intact, although we will be required to bring in a couple outside uh, uh, board members. Um, but but we can continue to run the business until such time that we're ready to uh to make an exit till some of us are ready to retire. Uh, we, we just think everything has, has worked out well. It's kind of a win-win for everybody. Great. Glad it's working well for you guys. Okay. Well, uh, Mike, this has been fantastic. Thanks for uh, teaching us all about what you guys are doing. And uh, thanks so much for your time. Great. Thanks, Ben.